You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah 27, we uh, began this chapter a couple weeks ago, and uh, I want to try to finish it up if we can uh, this evening. And we talked about uh, the, the yokes, and we talk about the bonds that Jeremiah said that the people of Judah and the other nations, that they would be placed under these yokes by Nebuchadnezzar. And God called Nebuchadnezzar his servant. God was using uh, Nebuchadnezzar, which maybe surprised a lot of people, but God used him uh, to accomplish his plan and uh, his will. We asked the question a couple weeks ago, who are you serving? You know what's amazing is we get to pick. God gives us all a free will. God gives us the opportunity. We are not uh, inanimate objects that uh, have to be uh, forced to do something. We, we have the choice. We have a free will. And you can choose to live for yourself, as many people do, or you can choose to live for Jesus, which I hope you'll make that choice. Hope you make that choice every day. We talked about the lies uh, in Jeremiah's day, there were uh, prophets who were coming on the scene and they were uh, trying to lead God's people astray and confuse them. Uh, but we talked about we must be very careful who we listen to. I'd like to pick up tonight in verse number 16 of Jeremiah 27. And it says, Also, I spake to the priests and all this people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hearken not to the words of your prophets that prophesy unto you, saying, Behold, the vessels of the Lord's house shall now shortly be brought again from Babylon, for they prophesy a lie unto you. Jeremiah said, You better not listen to that crowd. They're saying it's not going to get worse. They're saying it's going to get better. They're saying that instead of Nebuchadnezzar coming and destroying us and, 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 and breaking down the walls, he's actually going to send back the things that he took. Now, that sounds pretty nutty. That sounds pretty crazy that the king that came the first time and he took the golden vessels from the temple, he took the young men captives like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, he took them captive, that Nebuchadnezzar is just going to say, you know, I got to thinking about it, and I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to send it all back. That's what the prophets were saying. They're saying, yeah, it's coming back. Don't worry. Jeremiah said, they're lying to you. Verse 17, hearken not unto them. Serve the king of Babylon and live. Wherefore should this city be laid waste? He said, why does this have to happen? Why do you not just obey God? And why are you forcing God to completely destroy the city because you won't listen? Verse 18, but if they be prophets and if the word of the Lord be with them, let them now make intercession to the Lord of hosts that the vessels which are in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and at Jerusalem go not to Babylon. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, concerning the pillars, concerning the sea, and concerning the bases, and concerning the residue of the vessels that remain in this city, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took not, 
the things he didn't take the first time. Jeremiah says, let me tell you what's going to happen to those things. When he carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from Jerusalem to Babylon, and all the nobles of Judah and Jerusalem, yea, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and of Jerusalem, they shall be carried to Babylon, and there shall they be until the day that I visit them, saith the Lord. Then will I bring them up and restore them to this place. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us, and I pray that you'd help us to capture these truths. Lord, I understand that in a book like Jeremiah, it could be easy to kind of get lost. It could be easy maybe for us to become a little confused and to uh, try to put all the pieces together. But Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be clear in how I uh, explain the truth, but I pray even more than that, Holy Spirit of God, that you would speak to us and give us exactly what we need to hear. Give us exactly what we need for the situation of life that we are facing right now. And I pray that your word would not return void, but I pray it would accomplish that which it was intended for. And I pray that it make a difference in our hearts and make a difference in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice verse number 16. The people were warned not to listen to those false prophets. The ones that said, hey, don't worry, don't panic, it's going to get better. Uh, God's, God's, God's gonna, you know, bring all that stuff back and you don't have to get right. You don't have to repent. You don't have to obey God. Here it is. You just keep doing what you want to do. You just keep living the way you want to live and it'll all be okay. Kind of sounds like some of the preaching of today where everybody gets a pat on the back and oh no, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about what the Bible says. You, you, you just do what you want to do. God understands. Well, I want to tell you, I'm glad God is merciful and I'm glad he's long-suffering and he's patient with us. But God also, when he speaks, he means business. God's word is not optional. God's word is not take it or leave it. Uh, you know, do what you want to do. It's you better obey it. And if we do not obey it, we will suffer the consequences. They wanted to listen to, they wanted to hear the prophets who were patting them on the back. Isn't that amazing how we're like that today? You know, it's amazing that many people today, they listen to the people who tell them what they want to hear. Now think about that. I'm not talking about just church. You think about it at your workplace. Somebody comes into work and they say, yeah, I got this problem and blah, 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 and you know, whatever. And if somebody speaks up kindly and politely, but somebody speaks up and says, well, you know, the right thing to do would be such and such. Oh, they don't want to hear that. They want somebody to come and coddle them. They want somebody to encourage them. And boy, don't you dare offend anybody. You know, don't you dare. I mean, I mean, why would you even think about telling somebody the truth? Because that's not what they want to hear. As God's people, many times we're the same way. Somebody tries to tell us the truth. Somebody tries to tell us what the Bible says. Somebody tries to give us something that really would help us and we push it away and we go try to find somebody who will tell us what we want to hear. We must be discerning. Uh, we must be discerning for the truth. There's a lot of voices in our, in our life and in our world. There are many preachers. 
And by the way, I'm thankful for the internet. I'm thankful for uh, YouTube and I'm thankful for podcasts and I'm thankful for church services all across the country and it blesses my heart. We have church members will say, I got to hear uh, this preacher here, that preacher, and I'm all for it as long as they're preaching the Bible and preaching the truth. Well, can I tell you, not everybody on the internet's preaching the truth. And not everybody that claims to be a, a man of God or a pastor or a preacher is going to tell you the truth. And we need people that will tell the truth. Preachers, what about this? We need people that will tell us the truth in our finances. We need people that will tell us the truth about the job. We need somebody that will tell us the truth about our child's education. We need somebody who will tell us the truth about what's going on in our world today. I love what Brother Harding said, and Brother Dan, I can't remember if it was in Sunday school or service, but he said, you've got to be just so careful that the news sources you're listening to are telling you the truth. And can I tell you, it's important that God's people know the truth in every area of life. We must be discerning. Notice verse number 17. Jeremiah says, don't listen to them, don't hearken to them, Serve the king of Babylon and live. Wherefore should this city be laid waste? He said, I got a question for you folks. You love this city. You love Jerusalem. Uh, they were a patriotic people. They wanted to see their, their nation survive and their city uh, 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 be salvaged. And Jeremiah said, I got a question for you. Why does Jerusalem have to be destroyed? Uh, why are you going to disobey God so that God will have to judge you and judge this city. It says in verse number 17, wherefore should this city be laid waste? And Jeremiah asked the question, he says, why? Why does this have to happen? I want you to think about this. Think about all the good that could have been accomplished in Jerusalem. Think about all the, the good that could have been accomplished if God's people would have stayed faithful to Him, if they would have worshipped God, if they would have served God. Think about what a blessing that would have been for their children and their grandchildren and the generations to come. Let's bring it to 2020. Let's bring it to where we live. Think about all the potential that is here at this one church. Now, I know there's many churches across the country. There's many ministries across the country. We're not the only one, and I praise God for that. We're not the only ones standing for the truth. But just take just our church alone. What if our church, what if we decided tomorrow, we said, you know, it's not worth it. It's not worth it having services and having preaching and singing, and it's not worth it having Sunday school, and it's not worth it having uh, missionaries, and it's not worth it uh, uh, being soul, winner, soul winners and being a witness, and it's not worth it living for God. We'll just, we'll just quit tomorrow. Now, we're not planning on that, and I hope that's not the idea you have. I think we ought to keep on going until Jesus comes. But what if, what if we just threw it all aside. What if we just gave it all up tomorrow? It wouldn't just affect us, I'll promise you that. It would affect those coming after us. It would affect our children. It would affect the teenagers that we just dismissed to their service. It would affect the children in the master clubs. It would affect the children in the nurseries. It would affect this community. It would affect not just this community, it would affect communities around us, it would affect all of these 
missionaries and all of those missionaries who we could support and all those missionaries we could take on in the future. There's so much potential. And Jeremiah says, why does it have to be this way? Why can't you just listen and obey God? Well, that's good for us. If it could happen to God's people, the people of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, I tell you, it could happen to our nation. It could happen to our church. Verse number 18, I love this. Jeremiah said, if these men are really prophets, if they're really, verse number 18, if they be prophets and if the word of the Lord is with them, if they really have it, then why don't they pray? That's a good question. These people didn't want to pray. They just wanted to, to tell their lies and they wanted to uh, tickle the ears of all the people listening. And Jeremiah said, hey, if these people really know God, if these people really love God, if these people really want to see something good, then why don't they pray for this city? It's a good idea. I think here at Victory Baptist Church, I think we got a church with people that love God. I think that's why you're here tonight. You love God. You're here tonight, you want to serve God. You're here tonight, you want to make a difference. You want to see God do something. I got an idea for us that sometimes we put on the back burner, but it ought to be front and center. How about God's people get back to prayer? Prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer works the miraculous. I'm, I'm not against uh, 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 doing good things to help people. I'm not against feeding the hungry, and I'm not against helping the sick. I'm all for those things. But first and foremost, as a church and as Christians, we have a responsibility to meet the spiritual needs of people. We have the responsibility to reach souls, and we're not going to accomplish a supernatural work in the power of the flesh. It's going to come through prayer. And Jeremiah said, hey, if they're really serious about doing something, let them now make intercession. Let them pray and see if those vessels will come back. Notice verse number 19. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, concerning the pillars. Interesting. Concerning the sea. Now that is a very interesting uh, uh, expression there. And concerning the bases, and concerning the residue of the vessels that remain in this city. I want you to hold your place in Jeremiah 28, and I want you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 7. 1 Kings 7. It's interesting that Jeremiah mentions those items specifically, and then there's a few that he says, and the, the residue, and the remaining items. But see... The Babylonians had already come against Jerusalem one time. The first time, they did not destroy the city. They didn't uh, destroy the walls. They did not burn the temple. The first time, they took all of the, the valuables, the gold and the silver and the, the, the precious stones, and they, they took the young men. That's what we talked about earlier. They took the, the young men who were of royal seed and royal blood, and they put them into their training program to try to brainwash them for the way of the Babylonians. But they just, they did that the first round. But now Jeremiah says when they come back, they are going to take the rest of the vessels from the temple. Notice 1 Kings chapter 7 and verse number 
Let's see here, verse number 15. It says, for he cast, this was Solomon preparing, or this was David preparing and Solomon building the temple for the worship of the Lord. It says, he cast two pillars of brass of 18 cubits high apiece. And a line of 12 cubits did compass either of them about. Verse number 18, and he made the pillars and two rows round about upon the one network to cover the chapters that were upon the top with pomegranates and so did he for the other. Verse number 21, and he set up the pillars in the porch of the temple and he set up the right pillar and he called the name thereof Jacob and he set up the left pillar and called the name thereof Boaz, those names, Jachin and Boaz, it means to be established and it means to be strengthened. And when they set up those two pillars in the temple, they set those up. They said, this is where our strength is. This temple, the worship of God, this is where our foundation is. This is where it all happens right here. And they set up those two pillars. They even gave them a name. But then I want you to notice not only the pillars, but the sea. You say, what in the world is the sea? Verse number 23. And he made a molten sea or a, a, a brass, uh, uh, basically like a bowl. But this wasn't just some small bowl that they would use like in the tabernacle. They used that laver. This was a massive, massive brass bowl that was set up. And it was set up on a stand with... Uh, brass or brazen oxen. There were three that faced out towards the east and three uh, to the north and three to the west and three to the south, 12 in total, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And on top of that stand, on top of those brazen oxen, they set this, this I say a bowl, it was, it was the size of a, uh, a, good, a good size swimming pool. If you had a, the, the gallons, I wrote down here, the gallons were approximately 17,000 gallons of water that this brazen sea could hold in the temple. And it was used. The priests would use it to wash their hands. They would use it to wash the sacrifices. And it was, it was made of brass. Uh, the equivalent would be if you had a swimming pool that was uh, 15 feet uh, if it were square, it'd be 15 by 15, about five feet deep. That's about the number of gallons of water that it would hold. This was a massive structure. And this was set up in the temple. Now, this wasn't set up for a swimming pool. This wasn't set up for decoration. This was set up to worship God. This was set up and it was designed specifically by David and it was uh, put in place by Solomon and it was set up so that God's people could worship God and now the pillars, Jeremiah prophesies about those. Now the molten sea, the brazen sea, he prophesies about those and then the bases. Notice verse number 27. And he made 10 bases of brass. Four cubits was the length of one base, and four cubits the breadth thereof, and three cubits the height thereof. And the work of the bases was on this manner, and he gives all the specifics. And on top of each of those bases, uh, there was set uh, another, a smaller bowl, a smaller laver that was set up all throughout ten in that area of the temple. Uh, the design uh, was, was so detailed, and the specifications were so intricate. Everything was exactly like it was supposed to be. 
The first time Nebuchadnezzar came, he didn't bother taking those because obviously those would have been a lot heavier. Those would have been a lot bulkier. And the brass was not as valuable as the gold and silver uh, uh, vessels in the temple. But here's what Jeremiah says. Go back to Jeremiah 27 in verse number 19. Thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the pillars and concerning the sea and concerning the bases and concerning the residue of the vessels that remain in this city, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took not when he carried away. He didn't take them the first time. Verse 21, yea, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and of Jerusalem. Verse 22, they shall be carried to Babylon and there shall they be until the day that I visit them. Now think about this. God's people were, were, were warned that Nebuchadnezzar was coming. And because they would not surrender, because they continued to fight and they continued to resist, God says they're going to take everything of any value from the temple. Those things that were used in worshiping God, Jeremiah said, they're all going to Babylon 500 miles away there will be nothing left. Now here's what's so sad, is Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king, who was the enemy, Nebuchadnezzar, the first time, he took the gold and silver. He took the young people. But when he came back, he took everything. And you know, that's exactly how Satan works. Satan's not, not satisfied just to get a little bit. Satan's not satisfied just to get some. Satan is coming for everything you have. Everything that is precious, everything that is dear, everything in your life that glorifies God and everything that honors God, Satan will not rest until he has you destroyed completely. You think about this. Nebuchadnezzar came back and he was taking the bases, the stands that these items were on. That huge brazen sea, it took men chopping that thing up. It took men hammering that thing down. They didn't haul that away in one piece. They had to break it down. But that's exactly what Satan will do. He will destroy until you've got nothing left. And that's why as Christians... We can't play games with the devil. And that's why as Christians, we can't let our guard down. I tell you, one of the things, I'll talk more about this on Sunday, but one of the things that has worried me so much and I, has concerned me so much about all of this with the coronavirus is I'm afraid that God's people have gotten so focused on a virus that they have forgotten about eternal things. And I'm afraid that we have gotten our eyes off of the spiritual battle that we're in. And friend, I want to tell you, Satan is out to destroy and he doesn't take a break in a pandemic. He doesn't take a break because people are worried or people are sick. He capitalizes on those things and Satan is out to destroy. He doesn't want to steal just part of your worship. He wants it all. Verse 22, Jeremiah said, they'll be carried to Babylon. You will have nothing left. I want to close with this thought. It'll be a few minutes. I want to talk to you about it, but I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
Jeremiah talks about these vessels. And as I was reading back in 1 Kings, I was again reminded of just how important these vessels were for the temple. I want you to notice with me in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 20. The Bible says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. You see, God wants us to be a vessel that he can use. We're not talking about now the Old Testament temple. We're talking about the New Testament Christians. God wants us to be vessels that bring honor and glory to him. And here's what it says, that we would be sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. I want to ask you in closing tonight, I want to ask you what kind of a vessel are you? What kind of a vessel am I? God wants to use us and God will use us, but we must be a vessel that he can use. First, I see that we're to be vessels unto honor. Our character, our actions, our thoughts, our decisions, everything we are determine whether or not we bring honor to God. Now, God loves us no matter what. Aren't you glad for that? And God will save whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. I'm not talking about being good enough to get to heaven. I'm talking about once you get saved, you say, I want to do something for God. I want to be a vessel that he can use. I want to be a vessel that God sees. And God says, that is a person that brings glory and honor to me. We must be a vessel in honor. Secondly, it says that we must be purged. If a man therefore purge himself from these. Now, purged means to be cleansed. Let's talk about an Old Testament Bible character, a man by the name of David. How many would say that David was a man who was used greatly by God? Would you agree with that statement? You better believe it. A man after God's own heart, a man uh, of God uh, the, who wrote the most of the Psalms and a, a king of Israel that won many victories, but yet, did David have some sin in his life? Oh yeah, he did. But you know what's so wonderful? Is God didn't throw him away. David got right. David got clean. David got cleansed and he allowed God to use him because he didn't stay dirty, he got clean. And I'm thankful that God's in the cleansing business. I'm glad it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses. It's not a new program. It's not 12 steps. It's not, you know, uh, you know self-confidence and self-motivation, but it is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. Then it says a vessel must be sanctified. Sanctified means to be set apart for a specific use. I want to tell you, we're not here for our own plans. We're not here for our own goals and our own uh, agenda. We are here for God to use. Then it says next, the vessel must be meet or useful for the master. This past, um, I forget what day it was now, I guess it was Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday, we were in Arkansas and um, the, the girls one day went uh, shopping 
And one day, the guys, we went golfing. I went golfing with my uh, brothers-in-law and my father-in-law. It had been five years since I had golfed. And I quickly remembered why it had been five years since I had golfed. Because my experience last week went about like it went five years ago. It was terrible. It was awful. Thankfully, my partner was really good, and so he bailed us out and all that. But can I tell you, it was so wild because we go up to golf, and I'm having to ask my brother-in-law, which club are we supposed to use? I didn't have a clue. And they've got numbers and they've got letters and all of that. How many of you, how many of you golf? Let me see your hands you know, so you know what we're talking about here, okay? I didn't know which one because when I go golfing at the putt-putt, they only give you one. You don't have to carry around a bag. You don't have to get a golf cart or anything. It's just one club, one size fits all. And so I was not sure. My brother-in-law uh, he, for, for different hits and different distances and all that, he had a special, specific club. And after I saw him hit, I thought, well, yeah, he knows what he's doing. He was good. For me, I, I kid you not, I had several where I swung so hard, and I don't, I don't think I could do it again. I swung so hard, and I promise you, the ball did not go six feet. But it did go six feet. I don't know if it was just the wind from missing it or what, but how do you swing that hard and the ball goes six feet? I don't know. But I I did that. But you know what's amazing is in golf, if you're good at golf, then you really need the right club for the right hit. But I'm so glad to tell you that God doesn't even need the right club for the right hit. He'll take any club that's available. He'll use you and he'll use me. And the world may shake their head and say, how in the world could anybody do something like that? And we just stand back and say, well, it's not us, it's the Lord because he uses those who are available. I have up here on this pulpit, I have two coffee cups. And this one here, uh, it's, it's not fancy. Um, Joanna will remember this, but we were at a church up in uh, Maryland years ago, Pastor Arcand. Uh, he gave us a little gift bag and he gave me this mug. And this, I've had this mug for 10 or 15 years probably. It's amazing it hasn't broken. And I, I use this mug Uh, just about every day, and sometimes I use it several times in the day, like today. I had several cups of coffee. You know what's amazing about this mug is it's not fancy. It's nothing special, but it's used because it's available. Can I tell you, this is what I want to be for God. I just want to be available. I just want to be someone that God can use. You say, well, how do you get available? You get close to Him. Because when you're close to God, God uses those people that are willing and that are available. The very best ability in God's service is availability. You say, well, what's the other cup for? This cup here, this works fine for coffee. Works great. But you know, there's something about this cup that I'm glad is not true for Christians. This cup is disposable. You use this cup one time, or maybe you use it twice throughout the day, but you toss it. I want to tell you, I'm glad that God doesn't throw us out. I'm glad God does not treat us as disposable. I'm glad God says as many times as you'll let me use you, I'll use you over and over and over and over again. I was thinking about this as Brother Watts was up here singing, and Brother Watts is not, he's not that old. Brother Watts, how, how, how many years young are you? 
77, still coming to church, still singing, still playing the guitar, still being used for God's glory. He's a vessel that God has used. And can I tell you, when I get to be 77, I hope I'm still coming to church. I hope God can still use me. I hope I'll still be available. But the vessel that God uses is available. He's useful. The vessel that God uses is a vessel that is prepared, that is fit and prepared for every good work. God wants to use us and God will use us. But the question is, will we let God use us? We can answer the question tonight if I ask you what kind of vessel are you? You can answer that question and I can answer that question. But the real answer will not be revealed until we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Because in 1 Corinthians 3, the Bible says that our works will be tried with fire to see of what sort, what, what quality they are. And some of those works are going to go through the fire and they're going to be all burned up because they were wood, hay, and stubble. But God says those that are gold and silver and precious stones, they'll go through the fire and they'll be purified. They'll come out even better. And when we stand before Christ, we'll hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or we may hear those words, you didn't do so well. And I understand the judgment seat is a place of reward. It's not a place of punishment. But not everybody that stands at the judgment seat of Christ is going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Say, Pastor, I, I, I just thought everybody heard that. No. You know why? Because you don't hear well done if you didn't do well. Now you're saved and you're in heaven. The Bible says those works that are burned up, they'll be saved by fire. They'll be saved uh, even, they'll be in heaven. They won't be in hell, but that'll be about all they'll have to show. But I hope that we can be a vessel that God can use. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.